going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Four Love Cinema. This is episode 251, where tonight we will be discussing Last Night in Soho, the newest from Edgar Wright, and the Netflix original The Guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal, the remake of a few years ago foreign language film. I'm one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell, and joining me, as he does every week, is my co-host, Roger Stillian, and our perma-guest, Chris Ugin. Guys, what is going on? Not a whole lot. What did you say Chris's name was? That's not my name. What, what, wait, is it not B-O-U-G-H-A-N? I mean, no, it's, that's exactly how it's spelled. Wow. It's Bond. Oh, Bond, okay. I, I said, the I'm dis- sorry, Bond. I knew that, Respect. Bond. I know, sorry, 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 buddy. I never say your last name. I always spell it. I'm like, oh, that looks like Boogan, but it's fine, Bond, Bond. Bond. You have a lot of unnecessary letters in your last name there, sir. It should just be three letters long. I always tell people it's a German Scrabble accident, which is accurate. Mm-hmm. A German Fair. Scrabble accident. All right. Gentlemen, how was your week? It was good. It was good. Yeah, we, week was solid. Had a, had a good day off today on Sunday. Got some shit done. Felt good. All yeah. What right. did you get into, Roger? I watched the Jaguars win a football game in America. Ooh, so excited. That made me happy. That's right. Pain. Chris said, give him one win this week. Get to what start talking about. First off, that's two <laughs> wins, sir. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Well, sure, sure, sure. That's a big deal, I guess. Is it, is it a fantasy league or is it an actual team? No, that's an actual team oh. in <laughs> professional sports. Grayson knows the sports, everybody. He does. He's, sports. he's big yeah. into the, the footballs. The, the foosball. That's, that's, that's the sport with the – with the with the you score the goals in the nets and the and the hockey sticks, right? That's you know, yeah, that's yeah. it. I know. I mean, exactly. everything but hockey sticks are in what you said. So it's- <laughs> I mean, you basically <laughs> described field hockey, though. So I, I, I did, I did. It's been a good week. Um, it's been a slow week here for me, but I got to watch a lot of movies. What'd you watch? I watched the Star Wars sequel trilogy, and Brandon and I did a an episode on it, which won't post for a while. But it was it's an interesting time. We talked for almost three hours. Good God! I'm he sorry. Had, he had a lot of inside information. No, he has about a lot of the Star prequels. Wars no, no, the the sequel trilogy, seven, eight, nine. Oh, okay. I have my problem with them, but he. It's very I interesting. We had those. opposing um, opposing takes, and it's a, it's a good conversation. But that'll post here in a few weeks. But I watched some. I actually watched Twenty One Jump Street, and I kept saying to myself, "Wow, this movie is fun and it's well written." And then Roger, guess who wrote it? Phil Lord, Chris Chris Miller. Yeah, I, I know. saw on the writing crew. I'm like, oh my god, that's why. Like those two are just everything. Those two touch just turns to gold immediately. Except their Han Solo movie, which they ripped out of their hands and gave us a husk and a corpse of a of a movie. That well, was awful. But that's no detriment to them. I mean, well, I mean, who knows what it could have been? Exactly. Who knows what it could have been? Star Wars fans, you, you, you hearing me? Star Wars fans, who knows what it could have been? Are you calling them all out by name? No, no, because there's <laughs> billions of them. No, 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 no. No, no, no. There's too many Star Wars fans. I think Star Wars fans are actually the scariest fans of all the fan bases in the world. Because they're the ones that obviously have had to deal with the most awful movies. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, there's some really bad them. Star Trek out there. Yeah, but the, the, the new Star Trek isn't bad. And the, and the first, and the, the old movies aren't bad. It's just the shows are not great. But yeah. it's still interesting. There's still some cool stuff in there going on. Yeah, how's I mean, that? How's the life transitioning from Halloween with your kids to the holidays? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not one of the guys that pushes Christmas immediately after uh, Halloween is over. So I don't. November know. one is Christmas time. November. I'm, I'm okay with celebrating, you know, Thanksgiving before Christmas, but 
I get overruled in my house all the time. Apparently, this time last year, we were uh, my wife put our Christmas tree up because I went fuck it, put it up. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then now, now she's now she just going to use that every year. No, you said fucking put it well, up. I don't care. It is it is not up currently, so I don't. <laughs> nice. I don't know. Nice, nice, nice. What about you, Chris? Do you when do you put up the tree? Uh well, my wife is the uh, is the Christmas tree expert. And uh, it's usually right after Thanksgiving. She isn't as sacrilegious enough to do it before Thanksgiving, but it's usually mm. quickly after. Fair enough, fair enough. Like that long weekend? <laughs> yeah, yep. Yep. Mm, that's, a good, that's a good time for it. I mean, that makes sense. It's a good time for it. But we're actually almost there. It's, it's November 7th. Like, my goodness. It just, time just flies. Time just flies. Uh, so I had an interesting experience in... Rod, you're going you're gonna to love this. Do you remember... So working at the movie theater, so I tell you, I, I, I got a box of candy, a bunch of crunch, and I, and I, and I, I got a medium Coke. I got Dr. Pepper, a medium drink, Dr. Pepper. You know, that's kind of my go-to now. Okay. And the guy's like, well, do you, do you want to, do you want to add a pretzel or a hot dog? I'm like, you know, I'm okay, man. He's like, well, they're really good. I'm like, you know, I'm actually fine with the candy and the drink. And he kept pushing it. So I said, man, I'm okay with the candy and the drink. Can you just ring me up? And he looked really offended. He looked offended. Good. When I said no three times politely, and then he kept pushing. He actually, he actually thought I was interested in one of those big ass pretzels. What, I what mean, last you? time you sent me a picture of a big ass pretzel, it, so I, I, he I remembers, did. Grayson. I did, he but remembers. that's not one of those things you just tack onto it. See, Aslan wants to tack onto a sale. That's not like a those giant pretzels aren't one of those things like in the checkout aisle of a of, a, of like a grocery store, like a candy bar. Those are massive. Those yeah, are well, I I'm actually surprised to be like, sure, you just don't want a popcorn. It'll only be a buck more to get that, too. No, <laughs> he, he didn't do that. But it, I just, I was a little put off by that. Like, I was just like, man. So I guess I can see why, why when I did it back in the day, people were getting put off by it, too. But I didn't push too hard. No, if somebody told me no, I went, all right, cool, whatever. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, it, it's your movie dining experience. You, you, what you do what you want. It's fine. I called a, a Sheets cla- uh, cashier Sparky once, who Sparky. wouldn't leave me alone about the card. He, like he got, he, and like he got really attitudey about it with me. He's, you know, he asked me if I buy the Sheets card. I said not today because I just didn't have it with me and I, I don't care enough. He went, "Oh, sure, it's free, man. You should sign up." I went, well, "No, I'm good, man. Thank you very much. You know, I'm just ready to go." He was like, oh, "Okay," <laughs> like uh-huh. uh, so. I said, you know, just ring me up, Sparky. Come on. <laughs> he said, <laughs> like, okay, like, like, like you're missing out on the best deal. Yeah, ever like, to well, like man, you're an idiot for not signing up. Like, I get it, man. Just go. I need to go work. All right, champ. I gotta go, man. We yeah, ring exactly. this out. All right, yep. chief. All right, champ. Come on, <laughs> chief, champ, tiger, sport, all work. Come on, oh, fellas. Let's go. Fit. Yeah, come on, fellas. Go. Yeah. Well, this, we, we, we've all been there, and I guess like I didn't used to mind it so much, but like now that I'm kind of older and I'm getting, I'm getting set in my curmudgeon ways, I'm like. Whenever a sixteen-year-old asks me something like that, I'm like, "Shut up! Just ring me up, please." So now, now you're giving yourself the green light to be a dick to service workers. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's where you're at in your life. Cool. It's just, Bold it's choice. Just, it's just a downward slope from there. Bold slope. statement. Oh man! Oh man! Anything else happen this week, fellas? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. How's Not the weather? How, how's the weather in the Ohio Valley? Uh, it was a jaunty sixty degrees today and beautiful. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty nice the next week. Yeah, it was. It was pretty nice here. I um, I saw. I mean, it, it was 27 two days ago here in hard frost, but... Are you serious? Gee, that's low. That's below yes. freezing. Jeez. Wow, yes, it is below freezing. That's why the frost came. Hence the frost. I know. I remember stuff from high school. All Do right. you? 
You know, I remember the, what thirty six degrees. Nope, I thought wow. you remember things from high school. Oh, Please, dude, 32. So thirty two. <laughs> I love that you just made the same. Yeah, I remember things from high yeah, school. I do it somewhere in the thirties. Hilarious, hilarious. Don't you right, dare edit this out either. <laughs> You're doing this to yourself. Just remember. To, all right, whatever. All right, this is episode two hundred and fifty one of. For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema, which posts each and every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current and upcoming releases, what streaming, trailers, and then movies of the week. So without further ado, let's get into the box office. To no one's surprise, Eternals took number one this weekend for 71 domestic dollars, Bringing in a worldwide of 161.7. That's a little disappointing for a Marvel movie, but. I mean, 71 domestic's not. No, it isn't. But also, I've been. Now, this is just me passively hearing things. I'm not reading anything. I'm just hearing things from people. Is this is the worst Marvel movie to date? Yeah, so. it's not getting reviewed very well. So um, I'm anxious to see. Uh, we'll talk about it more next week, I guess. But Again, that's just a general chatter. I haven't, you know, I've done your reading or seen it myself. I mean, I hear below Thor Dark World, and you know yeah. how highly I think of that movie. <laughs> Nothing at all, yeah. Number two, Dune, $7.6 million worldwide, being a very respectable 330.4, which is, one should also note that it is available on HBO Max streaming service as well. So that's pretty, that's a very respectable number for that. That's a good number. Very good. Number three, Bond still holds number three, No Time to Die, 6.2 million domestic, bringing a worldwide of 667, literally two-thirds of a billion dollars. Good for Bond. Number four, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, 4.5 million worldwide of 424.6. That movie continues to do well. I'm happy about that. Ron's Gone Wrong, which wasn't in the top five last week, the week it came out, but or the week after it came out, but now three weeks in the theater, this is the week of top five. 3.6 million, bringing its world, that's domestic, bringing its worldwide to 46. All right, that's more of a number that I can, I want for Ron is 46. It was really low last week, but I'm, internationally, it must be doing much better. Than Ron is a fine film. It is a good movie. I had no, I had no problems with Ron's Gone Wrong. Hello, Absalom? Yes, yes, we all remember Absalom. Do we not, Roger? Sure. All right. Let's take a look at, well, current upcoming releases. This is the, all right, now we're in the holiday season officially because... Because Ghostbusters is coming. Ghostbusters is coming. No, so <laughs> is that I'll not a big say, holiday film for you? No, I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, I don't know if it's a big holiday movie, but I don't know why they didn't get it out before October or before things, or Halloween, but, I mean, literally it's in the title, Ghostbusters, but whatever. All right, Marvel's Eternals came out this past weekend along with a notable movie on Apple TV, Finch, with Tom Hanks. November 11th, which... Sorry, November 10th, which is Wednesday, Clifford the Big Red Dog. And then November 12th, which is Friday, is Home Sweet Home Alone on Disney Plus and Red mm-hmm. Notice on Netflix. It's also important to note that Belfast um, opens on in select theaters on Friday, November 12th. I'm really kind of excited to watch that movie. I've seen the trailer. What's Belfast? With Jamie Dornan. Um, oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. Darian Hines. The war movie, yeah. Yeah, I'm really kind okay. of excited about that. It's one I might check out uh, just to see it. November 19th, Ghostbusters Afterlife, King Richard. And November 24th, Encanto, House of Gucci, National Champions and Nothing Says Thanksgiving, like Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. (laughs) On Thanksgiving Day itself, the Beatles get back on Disney+. And then uh, we start off December 
with Wolf on December 3rd. December 10th, Violence of Action, West Side Story. December 17th, Nightmare Alley, Spider-Man No Way Home. December 22nd, which is Christmas week, The King's Man, Matrix Resurrections, Sing 2, The Tender Bar Goes Wider. December 24th, which is a Friday, Christmas Eve, Licorice Pizza, Don't Look Up on Netflix. And on Christmas Day, that's a busy week, on Christmas Day, American Underdog, A Journal for Jordan. That's a very busy week. And then December 31st is Cyrano. What was the... uh... What was the violence movie you said? Violence of Action. Interesting. It is... I thought you were just going to say violence for a minute, and then I was oh, like, no. "Yes, cool." <laughs> you want to? Do you, do you know anything about this movie? Never heard of it. Which is interesting because because I have a movie podcast and should know things like that. Because Chris Pine, Kiefer Sutherland, Ben Foster, Eddie Marsan are all in this movie. Son of a bitch! I know. How do we keep doing this? Okay. After being involuntarily discharged from the Marines, James Harper, Chris Pine, joins a paramilitary organization in, or, in order to support his family in the only way he knows how. What? I had no idea. I mean, I, I saw this on the slate. I just I haven't seen a trailer for it, so that's very strange. But that's got that's a big cast for a movie that making no wave right now. I mean, Ben Foster, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Chris Pine. That's pretty big. Eddie Marsan, Nina Haas. Man, we'll have to do a little digging on that one. All right, nothing really crazy. You know, the more I see the trailer for West Side Story, the more excited I get. But I, I, I want to ask you this. Um, I want to ask you this, Roger and Chris. Spielberg, is he past his visionary filmmaker days as far as making waves in filmmaking? I mean, that's a... That's a really loaded question. I would ask a more pertinent question than that because I don't. I would never say Steven Spielberg can't do something. Um, the question I would ask is why is he decided to do a remake of West Side Story? You know what I mean. I'm sure we'll find the answer to that as we watch it because it looks like he really has a has a care for the material, but we'll find out. I'm sure the answer will present itself whilst watching. The movie. I guess my question, it was intentionally worded vaguely, but I, I guess the more accurate question is: Is he? I mean, two thousands, like two, like ninety, mid nineties to the mid two thousand tens. So like two thousand five, like Spielberg was one of the biggest names in filmmaking, um, and even before that. But yeah, is he? Is he? I mean, he made like small movies, like you know, yeah, e. no. You, you know what I'm talking Jurassic about? Park, talking about like little known it, films. When a Spielberg movie was coming out in the '90s or early 2000s, like it was a big deal, like massive, massive deal. So, yeah. is it still going to be like that, or has time just not kind of... this time because it's West Side Story? Well, see, West Side Story was a hell of I'm, oh, I don't mean to say that West Side Story is a story that needs to be told every generation or even every other generation. I just, I'm kind of with you. I kind of find it odd that that's what he chose to spend his time on. But yeah, well, that, that's the question. I mean, like. West Side Story, the story behind West Side Story is fine. But, I mean, we're also redoing things from 60 years ago. Well, I don't have a problem with it. It's just his choice of what he's doing. I, I just think he would prefer to do some original stuff. Or I mean, has he ever done a musical before? I don't know. I just don't uh, know. No, one doesn't come to mind, but that doesn't mean he didn't have a hand in producing one. Or You know, his his, his company, I mean, you know, the if, if his company, the, the DreamWorks, is – 
is in it. I'm sure he had a, I mean, he could say he had a hand in it, but who knows if he actually did. But that is his, right? Dream, DreamWorks? Amblin. 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 Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Amblin. Isn't that DreamWorks? SKG? Spielberg's uh, Cats? And I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I may remember that all wrong. And if I am, I'm sorry. But Amblin is def- definitely his. But yeah, it's just to me, it's like, I, I don't know why that's the one he chose to do. But I'm sure the movie will be great, as we want all movies to be good on this show. Look, we, we just hope it doesn't suck. We just hope it doesn't suck. Let's take a look at what's streaming this week. We're going to be taking a look at Amazon. But before we do that, I posted them on the on the social media, but last week we didn't even talk about them on Netflix. So let's give them a quick rundown. Uh, I, again, I wanted to go with the theme of the week, which was Chalamet and Dune, but King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, which directed by Guy Ritchie, Charlie Hunnam, Jude Law, Jimon Hansu, Eric Bana, Aiden Gillen, Annabelle Wallace. That was 2017. I don't think it was. It was an interesting movie. It was an interesting King Arthur movie. I don't movie know if that's. I, don't, I just. You know what's weird is like it's exactly what a King Arthur movie made by Guy Ritchie. Yes, would have been. Yes, it is. <laughs> but like even knowing that going in, like they didn't do anything to stop that, which is weird. All right, The King, director David Michaud with Timothy Chalamet, Ben Mendelsohn, Joel Edgerton, Sean Harris, Tom Glenn Cairn. Garber, Zapp, and Tom Fisher, Ed, 2019. That's a very real movie. Uh, we referenced it when talking about a few times, actually. The, oh, when talking about the last duel, how it's just it's very real. Very the combat is puts you right into the moment of just how awful and horrid that would have been. But it's a good movie, so check that one. It's not like a light watch though. And then this is this is my edition, and I, I feel kind of guilty about this, but A Knight's Tale. <laughs> By director Brian Helgeland, which is Heath Ledger, Mark Addy, Rufus Sewell, 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 sorry, Shannon Sossman, Paul Bettany, Alan Tudyk, James Purifoy, 2001. That movie's weird. It's a giant anachronism, but it's got its moments and it's fun. Say what you want about A Knight's Tale. It's a fun movie. That's It I'm is a fun about. movie. I, you know, it's very powerful. It's very fun. I, I, I have no problem with it. It's, it's one of my go-tos if I just want to kill time. And this week, let's get to the Amazon movies. Since last night in Soho was kind of a kind of a murder mystery, I went with a very good one, Knives Out, by director Ryan Johnson. Yes, good. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna DeArmas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, Jaden Martell, Frank Oz. If you have not seen that and just listen to that cast list, it's available for free on Amazon. You should definitely check that one out. That's a pretty good movie. Quality flick. Number two, Love and Other Drugs by director Edward Zwick. Fun fact, shot in Pittsburgh. Mm. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Anne Hathaway, Judy Greer, Oliver Platt, Hank Azaria, Josh Gad, Gabriel Mack, 2010. If you haven't seen that one, that one's it wasn't as good as the movie wanted to be, but it was still you know very, very watchable. And then another guilty pleasure, <laughs> Unhinged by director Derek Borton. <laughs> Fun family <laughs> film, Unhinged. <laughs> Russell Crowe, Karen Pistorius, Gabriel Bateman, 2020. That was one of the first movies back in the theaters, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, if, if, if not the first major release. I think it was movie. the first one, because remember they pushed it like three consecutive weeks yeah. waiting for things to open. Mm-hmm. And I, That's I the first that. one I remember going back to the theater to see. <laughs> What's the, there was a... You said something really funny on that episode. About, I say something really funny on every oh episode. God, I knew that was coming (laughs) (laughs) um it was he's gonna make sure you have a real bad day or something i just thought it was really funny because like i mean he's gonna his name in that is 
I forget what is this. Is his name just Guy? In, in, in that I mean, I'm assuming it's just Russell Crowe. That's just, what I, I would thought Crow. it would be interesting if that's what it was. I'm looking it up. Unhinged. Uh, nope, not un, un, unhinged. I always, yeah, they didn't it name it. It was a solid movie. Solid fun movie. It was, it was fun, yeah. It was, you know, the fun movie where he killed people. Oh, it was Man. That's what it is, Man, which was, <laughs> Man's going to make sure you have a real bad day. That's for sure. All right. That's what's streaming. Check those out. If you have any free time, a lot of people do not around this time of year. But if you do, check something out. All right. Let's talk about some trailers. Gentlemen, Star Wars, The Book of Boba Fett. Go. Boba. What do you I think? I mean, looks there's fine. A, there's a point in the trailer where Boba Fett's got like an overhand, an overhead slash coming down on somebody that looks really, really, really poorly done. Other than that, it, it, it's well, a Star Wars film. Whatever. I have some questions and I may just be, I apologize if this is an ignorant question. So Boba Fett talks in this, well, actually, you know, it's funny. We've seen this footage without him having his helmet on is the most we've ever seen Boba Fett without having a helmet on period. Um, well, he, he gets put in the sandworm pit how do you, how, I don't know how he gets out of that thing, but I, I guess we'll find out. Again, I don't like revisionists going back and rewriting shit. I think it's weird. Yeah, the, yeah. there's super cuts of Boba Fett all scenes for Mandalorian Season 1 and already Season 2. Hmm. I guess that's my mistake. But All right, back in the show. and All right. Yeah, I'm not, I don't really know what I think about Book of Boba Fett. I don't... I don't know if these are something I've just talked to a friend of mine about is, okay, so we have the timeline of Star Wars, which they, they hop around. Now, we had Rogue One, which which, which fills in a little, little bit of time. Rogue One rules best Star Wars movie. Rogue One's pretty damn good. Rogue Does One's it, the best ending of a Star Wars movie. I don't do know we, if it's the best Star Wars movie. It, <laughs> a New Hope is a new hope in Jet and um, <laughs> There's only Empire. one return in the end of the King. It's of the <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know if making all these things that fill in time gaps actually helps the whole Star Wars because it, to me it just doesn't because if for instance you know what I'm trying to say and you probably don't with having said it but everyone talking about unless they're mentioned in the movies they come before does it matter nope. what these what these people do and their deeds in 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 the when you're filling in time gaps for these show and films does it matter? No, not really. So then why do it, is my question. Um, because it's Star Wars and there's money to be made? Yeah. I mean, that's as good an answer as any, I but guess. But I mean, the Mandalorian stuff is very well done. But yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's episodic TV. Show. It's fine. Yeah, so. Mandalorian is a, a fine show. Yeah. I, I have no reason to believe that the Book of Boba Fett would be bad. So. I personal i love when luke comes in, in the end that's i think that's the greatest thing ever yeah that was cool they bring luke back in i thought that was <clears throat> that was the return luke needed rather than what he got in episode seven eight and nine which was kind of a joke that's my again my opinion my opinion but what do you guys think of the chris what about book of boba fett just final, final thoughts well again some of the choreography in the trailer doesn't look too tight but people love boba fett i'm not a big star wars guy and i'm not and i'm not even a boba fett guy but Mandalorian was was a fun ride, so if it's just if it's more of that, or at least in that with the same feel, then I'll be happy to watch it. Okay, fair, fair, yeah, that's fair. And moving into another TV show that got a big release trailer release, uh, The Witcher season two. Oh yeah, baby! 
good, good. here for it? Yes, always. I wasn't, I wasn't as I big a fan of the first season as you were, but I haven't. Well, because it's not very good. I haven't seen the first season, so ah. after seeing the trailer for this, I think I'm, I think I'm going to try to catch up to it though. As a One note, other. Chris, as, as a note for watching the first season, if you're going to play catch up real quick, it's not something you can you can watch while doing anything else. It jumps around a lot and it requires attention, like 100% your undivided attention. Whenever I watch them, I usually have, I, I, I usually like get into whatever I'm watching. So that's the um, for me. The thing with The Witcher is Henry Cavill kills it because he kills everything he's in. Um, the story, it's not very tight. So, and it does, once you realize how much it's actually jumping around, um, you're kind of like, what is actually happening here? So, the, the more I learn about Henry, uh, Henry Cavill, uh, much like Joe Maganello, He's a. You love he's, him because he's he, wonderful. He's a fan of like a lot of a lot of cool nerdy shit. Oh yeah, and giant I, dork. Yes, I found <laughs> I found out recently that he is a Warhammer 40k fan. So that's right. Uh, my my giant, heart's happy. <laughs> big time PC gamer. Yep. yep. Warhammer nerd. Oh yeah. He's my dude. He's my dude now. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. That's really cool though to 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 find to find that out about him. That's that's kind of kind of a cool little Easter egg about him. Yeah, he had um he had a thing on Reddit a while ago in the the PC Master Race Reddit, which is a huge you know two million person Reddit of him building his own PC. And he's just like, "Yep, this is me building my PC." And I'm yeah. just like, "Yes, you are, you are one of us. You're <laughs> one nothing of like us. me." And one I one of like us, you. one of us. One. That's really cool that he's building his own PC. I might, I might tell my brother to go build that PC, build the Henry Cavill PC. Now listen, his PC probably cost a lot of money. Because, <laughs> you know, He's rich. He is. He is indeed. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how I feel about the trailer for season two. I wasn't huge in season one. I liked it fair enough. I mean, it was fine. I didn't have any, you know, accolades for it, but I didn't necessarily think it was bad. Uh, I just, I'm kind of lukewarm going into The Witcher only because I, I feel it's odd that they chose to go with the books rather than the existing games. And I, I know that's kind of a, you know, it's a choice you got to make in the beginning. But, I mean, I think more people would have been into it. Because it's, it's, it's an, I mean, this is part of the video game to screen push that's been happening for the past, you know, years, right? I mean, yeah, but they probably have better um, stuff to pull from with the uh, books. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're probably not wrong there. Um, but otherwise, I don't, I mean, to, to me, it, it always gave me Hercules and Xena vibes, which... If you're going for a quality show, it are not the vibes you want to be giving out. Well, I mean, I talked about it a long time about Mandalorian itself. Where I felt like every episode was like there was an overarching thing that happened, but each individual episode was contained like Hercules. So, you know, I'm, I'm not – that doesn't bother me too much. All right. Well, I think you guys are more into it than I am. But, hey, season two could be great. I hope it is great. I really do. I want everything – Chris, I think you'd enjoy it. I yeah, yeah um, it's down my alley. I just for some reason I never got into watching it when it was relevant. Kind of forgot about it. One thing I did I do know though is so I was able to talk to a um, a stunt guy that I worked for with in the past. And we email correspond, and he 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 mentioned in an email. Um, I actually asked him if what what are the shows, what are the video game shows that he knows of that are really heavy stunts. And he and, and he says if you're really into if you're really into stunts, The Witcher season two is going to be stacked. A lot of his friends were on it, which means there's going to be a lot of fights. So well, I mean, I the entire it. trailer is just sword fighting. Yeah, so I mean, and magic and magic sword fighting. <laughs> yes. So that's Whoa. that's a cool little tidbit. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of what the first season lacked was a lot of those big fights, you know. But 
you know, set up with a lot of exposition, a lot of character, you know, development. So we'll see, we'll see where season two goes. Gentlemen, Moonfall. We had a little weird discussion before the show started, but Moonfall, I mean, what do you guys think? It's sci-fi as hell, so I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. But I like this movie better at trailer one than I do at trailer two. <laughs> you like, you like it better as a disaster movie rather than yeah, like... Yeah, because trailer one, it's like this disaster movie. And trailer two, it's like, hey... It's an alien movie. Have to have a good time. Well, but it's also still disaster movie. It is. No, it is it disaster is. movie because I mean, it's not it's, the same though. I don't. Okay, okay. Let me let me let me read the the IMDb description. In the moonfall, moon is fake. Falls on Earth. Yes. In Moonfall, <laughs> a, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling to a collision course with life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact, the world is on the brink of annihilation. NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler is convinced she has the key to saving us all, but the only astronaut from her past, Ben Harper, why is this so long? Jesus. Um, <laughs> ben Harper and a conspiracy theorist, K.C. Houseman Believer. These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space, leaving behind everyone they love, only to find out that our moon is not what they think it is. So there's the fake part. But, I mean, the the Earth, you know, f- ceasing to exist because the moon is either gone or coming towards it is a bigger deal than aliens coming because i mean the earth ceases to exist means humanity ceases to exist yeah so yeah then the aliens can just have it sure makes sense but but then that's wrong but that that is roland emmerich so i mean that his bread and butter is disaster stuff so i mean that's you know it's kind of what he does yep so i don't really have a problem with that but you're right it is kind of a okay here here's a question for you guys because we saw moonfall trailers a while ago and the chatter about moonfall was you know months and months ago do you think there was the movie has changed at all or this is what always was meant to be they just showed certain parts of it i'm sure it was just always meant to be this way yeah there's too much money put into the the cgi you're seeing in this trailer for it not to always been this way okay fair what I if this is a transformers way. crossover you know that's possible yeah because i mean <laughs> you know for some reason i knew you're gonna bring that up i just knew that roger's gonna bring up transformers dark of the moon but which is one of the worst titles ever by the way um, yeah, Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson. Um, who else is in this? Patrick Wilson, Michael Sam Penny, Tarley, Sam Tarley. Yeah, John John Brown, John Bradley, which is Sam Tarley, Donald Sutherland, Charlie Plummer. Um, yeah, it's got quite a cast. So I expect nothing but fun things from this movie. Yeah, I'm sure it's bad. Might be awesome. <laughs> which is so many of Roland Emmerich's movies. Yeah, I mean which it really fits. It's is not, bad it's still movie. awesome? But it's not a bad. I mean, it's not a bad place to be as a, as a big budget filmmaker. I mean, if your movies, no. make, if your movies all make half a billion or a billion, you're doing okay. Well, I mean, we'll all be laughing when you know the next round of Oscars come out and Moonfall's nominated forty six times for all the nope. visual stuff. So. <laughs> 46. <laughs> 46 <laughs> Oscar noms. That's four times the most Oscar nominations ever. That's right. One for every category that's ever existed. <laughs> Ever. What movie did you want to give all the of Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, you wanted, well, you wanted that to win everything. Yeah. So listen, Sonic the Hedgehog rules. It was a much better movie than anyone ever thought it was going to be. Yeah, it didn't deserve to be good, and it was. And that yeah. that in itself, given an Oscar, very big surprise. Station Eleven. Now this is a weird one because, and I'll tell you, it's it's an HBO miniseries, and we know that HBO can do big budget miniseries, so. Here's the, here's the IMDb description. Survivors of a devastating flu pandemic try to rebuild their lives after losing everything. Hmm. 
Very relevant. Mm. Yeah. Mackenzie Davis, um, Himesh Patel. That's the only people I see of name. That's really it. That's the only people I recognized. Yeah. Um, the, the actually the top build guy is Joe Pingy, but I don't I don't recognize his name. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. He's in the Book of Eli, Boondog Saints, Godless. How do I not know who this guy is? In a lot of my favorite movies. Uh, and it doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, this movie looks weird, but or this, sorry, this this miniseries looks weird. But I'm definitely going to check it out because it doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to go down the trap path, which a lot of them do. So I'm definitely going to look check this one out. I like the cast, at least the two that we know we know I, I like a lot. So, but how how do you guys feel about this one after watching the trailer? I mean, lukewarm, but yeah, we'll see. I, Listen, HBO does HBO does series pretty well, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'll, I'll judge it after three it. episodes. Yeah, I'm not too terribly worried about that one. Truth, truth, we'll see all. how it goes because I don't know. It, it it could be, it could be super lame and super super preachy because it, it it is grounded in kind of like what's going on today, and I don't know if that's gonna be a good thing or a bad thing for the movie. Agreed, agreed. All right, gentlemen, it is that time of the evening. We are at 34 minute mark. Let's talk about movies, shall we, gentlemen? Let's do the guilty. This is the Netflix original, The Guilty, which to me, this is, a, this is a weird one. I think it's a very interesting one to talk about. But let's start with the Rotten Tomatoes score. So this, is, so this doesn't happen very often, but so the tomato meter is 73 and the audience score is, set, is 47. Really? That's, it's that far, and usually it's, if it's that far off, it's the other way around. The audience is usually higher than the critics. But I can, I can already see why, though. You know what I mean? Just just the way this movie is, and how it's delivered, and how how it's very—I don't want to say one-dimensional because that sounds bad for the movie because it's not, but it, it, it's very. But it kind of is though because it's, it okay, never I leaves, mean, you yeah, know, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I could see people knee jerk into like you know, uh, you know, you know, not very good. I, I well, the short part of this movie is Jake Gyllenhaal talks a lot into a phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's accurate. <laughs> that's there's a lot of that here. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you're mostly because he's a nine one one operator, but you know, reasons. so okay, directed by Antoine Fuqua, and it's important to note this is a remake of a 2018 movie that is a foreign language. It's a it's it's a foreign language movie, but um, apparently it's pretty good. I, I, I haven't seen it. Um, I just. People really took to it, so I mean that's a good thing. But and that was in the- theatrical, over the- not here, obviously. But Jake Gyllenhaal is Joe Baylor, Riley Keough as the as one of the voices. Ethan Hawke is the other voice. Did you guys know that? Did you guys able to pick that out? I was not. I did not know that. Not. <clears throat> it must have been the dad, obviously, because there's no one else that can be. And or Peter Sarsgaard, <laughs> Paul Dano, Bill Burr. What? I did pick up Bill Burr. Okay, okay, Jillian Zinzer. Um, yeah, so the, okay, that's the that's the cast. But like these people, everyone except Jake Gyllenhaal, you don't see. And I kind of I like these movies that make these kind of bold choices. <clears throat> and one other movie that I I watch kind of a lot, only because it's 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 a very quick like eighty one minutes. Is um, do you remember that movie Buried with Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, where he's in the yeah. So he was a driver for the Afghanistan portion of the war, and uh, he gets kidnapped, shoved in a box, in a coffin, and is buried. And you never leave the coffin, but he has a cell phone 
but you never leave the coffin. It's in there the whole time with him, which I think is a cool thing. But he somehow pulls it off and somehow keeps it riveting in your heart at points racing, especially the end. The ending of that movie makes me so mad. It's one of the most ang- – it's one of the endings that angers me the most, actually. Hey, spoiler. He stays buried. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can't. The last thing is what? I'm so sorry, Paul. That's it. The last thing we hear yep. and then credits roll. But uh, it's, an, it's an interesting movie. You haven't, if you haven't seen that one, it's a very quick, like it's like 80 to 85 minutes. It'll go by pretty quick, but it keeps you entertained the whole time. And The Guilty is another one of those movies that it also, I was oddly entertained the entire time. And by oddly, I mean, I never got bored that we were in one location with the same character. And uh, I, I never got bored of that. And Roger, you said something that I didn't, it didn't even occur to me. But go ahead and say it again. I, I love what you said. Uh, this shooting. movie this movie is peak COVID movie. Because why. he's alone most of the time. Anytime there are other people around him, they're all like at least ten feet away. Now they're spaced out for reason in the movie because he's a nine one one operator and each desk, you know, has got like a four monitor set up and all these big things around him. And the next person's got all their setup too. So they're they're a decent amount away. So I think this movie could have been made or, you know, obviously was made during peak restrictions and it wouldn't have been too big of a deal. He never gets too, the closest he gets to anybody is when he's in a sharing, uh, sharing the sink in a restroom, you know, two sinks down, which is like a minimum of six to eight feet away. So, which is interesting. It's an interesting point you brought up because that is perfect shooting conditions for co like the camera crew would never have to be close to him. Not really. Just a lot, of, sound. a lot of stationary camera in this movie too. Yeah, maybe the sound guy just to make sure that the, that the that the mic is is just above frame, but that's about it. I mean, people to check his hair and makeup every once in a while. You know, I mean, something like this. I bet. But I mean, so I don't even like know about weeks. that because like he's got his hairs cut real short, and he already kind of looks like shit anyway. <laughs> you know, point. like this is like he's the just, perfect he's just aggressively movie. sweating into a camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, so the the. What I love about this movie is when we get when we get image up, it is Los Angeles. There's a large fire, obviously representing there's there's unrest, there's turmoil, and then we find out he's a nine one one operator. And from the first minutes, first few minutes, we learn he absolutely does not want to be doing what he's doing, and he's actually going to be back out on patrol the next day. And he's been doing this for a while. To yeah, he's been suspended from his regular detective job pending his investigation. He's got to go to trial. His trials tomorrow. So he, he's not very nice to his to the person that's, in, that's supervising him. He's not very nice to Manny, the guy to his left. I do um, love the conversation he has with Manny. He's like Manny. He's like, I've been an asshole, and Manny just looks at him and goes, "Yep." <laughs> and then he says, "We should get a beer sometime." Manny goes, obviously, like super into it. Yeah, we should. Okay. And then he's like, Jake's like, I have a question. If I take a call somewhere else, then <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> Mm. yeah yeah classic a-hole behavior but and that's what i found so interesting chris you haven't said much about this so far what did give me your just your your tone your 20 second take of this one so far well i mean you guys were just you know going back and forth on it the uh i like i like this movie too uh i liked it more than i thought i would i like jake gyllenhaal and he he's good in most everything he's been in that i've seen the movie does a good job of even though it is one-dimensional as we were talking earlier like you said, Grayson, you had a good time. You still enjoyed it, you know, a good, you know, it, like it keeps you there. And Gyllenhaal is fantastic in this thing. That's, well, that's but the, that should absolutely be said. He is. And and the whole thing kind of hinges on him being fantastic. 
That's True. the whole thing because like he's the only thing the camera's on ninety five percent of the time. Yep. Yep. And we're really going off of, and he really does sell it. Like he sells it at at key points in the film. He sells it too, which of course is what I love. Just seeing that emotional, that emotional acting on the face. That's, I think that's some of the hardest acting to do is when you're just sitting stationary and just being like emotional into a camera, but not moving. There's no like action in the scene. You know, yeah, you have nothing to play off of. That's it's that, you. That's got to be some of the more difficult, like how to prepare for it and get in cost in character every day. Like that, that's got to be some of the more difficult things to do in Hollywood. I would imagine. Well, I mean, he did fantastic, though. Yeah, he's pretty good. This is not the first time. Right. This is not the first time they've worked together either, so they're familiar with each other. Um, they, they did um, Training Day, Southpaw. No, no, that wasn't Training. That wasn't that was Ethan Hawke. Well, I mean, well, Fuqua did Training Day. Yeah, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Um, no, it was but uh, they, he worked with Gyllenhaal before on Southpaw, which is a movie that I like. I worked um, on that. Yeah, did you? I didn't I know that. Well, it was shot in Pittsburgh, yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. He, I didn't know he was from Pittsburgh. Gyllenhaal from Pittsburgh. Oh, oh and Fuqua. Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, yeah. His um, his 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 driver is actually his. I think it's his brother, and cool. they're really close. And I I got I I got to we we had a couple interesting exchanges in the kitchen. One morning, I, I kind of made a joke, and we just kind of had a five-minute conversation. And then, like, he would come in and talk to accounting and just come over and, like, kind of bullshit with me for a few minutes on the show Every after, after that just because he was like, hey, why not, you know? Hey, what's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, though. Yeah, I've really got kind of close with, um, with Fuqua's brother, his driver. So, Cool. Yeah, Tell him I said hello. I, I will. I'll, I'll give him the, the, the single pistol and the, the whatever you call that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's... <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> All right. Back to the, back to the guilty. So, I don't think it's really. This movie is very easy to sum up. A nine one one operator, he 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 goes through two or three really really kind of standard calls that they probably get ten thousand of a day, and not to downplay any of those calls because they're all important. But, and then he gets one where a woman appears to be abducted. Um, she's in the car with the person that's abducted her. The person doesn't know she's on the phone. She has to be kind of careful what she says to not tip him off. But she also kind of she really has to answer the nine the Jake Jonal's questions just to make sure that he can get the information he needs to make sure she gets the help she needs. Um, it's really kind of a, and it's it is oddly suspenseful this this movie and it there's a point where it completely flips the script on you. It just completely turns the table and that I think is equally as powerful because. Even though it's this is fiction, but like my heart was like, <gasps> like I when I when I first realized what was going on, I was like, holy crap, that yep. sucks. Not great, Bob. Not great. Not great. And it's, I mean, it's it's kind of in theme with the with the title of the film. But um, should we? Is it possible to like talk a little bit about that? Because a lot of the conversation after this comes with that. Well, I mean, I don't really want to spoil it because this is a pretty decent movie, I think. Um, but we could talk about what he's dealing with. So he's under, he's an investigation because he killed somebody during a, um, supposedly, supposedly, well, no, he, okay. Well, no, somebody, the reason he's under investigation is because somebody got killed. Okay. During something that he was was involved in an officer involved shooting and somebody got killed and that's what he's under investigation for. And, you know, he's got his moments of trying to help this woman and working through his own stuff in his brain and he's not in a great place, obviously. And he's got this whole idea worked out about how everything's going to be back to normal tomorrow. He's going to be exonerated and 
back to being, you know, detective instead of, you know, dispatcher and all that stuff. And he deals with the way he deals with it is like he's stressed the hell out. <laughs> and um, that really comes into play in this movie, which is what Gyllenhaal, like, he kills it. You know, just being like this wound up doll, like emotion, 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 cool down, emotion, 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 cool down. Like he basically, like his adrenaline must just be pumping during this movie. Yeah, during his uh, his time on the desk, I guess. So, which brings it's me to my, which brings me to a question that I always ask you guys. I'm more of a fan of, you know, of course, broken characters, broken families, uh, when it comes to narrative storytelling. So, not too far in, um, not too far into the second act, he brings up his phone. He there's a young girl on there, which we assuming is his daughter, and then he gets a call from his wife. What now, his ex wife? Well, he's wearing a wedding ring, so we have no reason to believe that they're not together. They're just separated. But now, but we, we quickly learned that things are not okay. They're separated. Um, he's not okay with it. He wants to see his daughter more than she wants to let him see his daughter. Um, of course, there's some accusations of what actually happened that night, filling in with her emotions and what she is thinking of him, stuff like that. And it's so a, a question that I always ask you guys when this happens and it happens quite a bit is, I think, but the the answer is going to be different. I think in this movie we absolutely needed that part of it we needed the, the the broken family part because without it his character really doesn't work well it shows more insight about his mental state as well so that's the same thing it's like it, it's a it's a very effective it's you know albeit very easy but also very effective way to to get the character to that state where he's like he's almost just an emotional powder keg and he's right to I mean he erupts a few times once at his supervisor once to the guy sitting into his left manny he goes off. He he said. I mean, he just he says things to a boss that someone an insubordinate should probably never say to their boss. But um, yeah. He so you guys would agree with that was necessary to have him in a divorce and it's not going well. Not going well at all. No, but you guys think that's also necessary. I'm always a fan of it, but so I might be a little skewed. I don't know if his family's intact. He almost has more to lose in a way. You know what I mean instead of him being art like things are already falling apart so at that point you know he it might make it a little bit easier for him to bite bite up you know bite the bullet if he has to yeah but i mean either way it works either way though i mean you can play off of that emotionally in either direction and they do a fine job of the way that they took it you know with them you know with things already falling apart for him agreed agreed that's well 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 spoke chris well spoke um so let's so one of the conversations i thought was great and these are all conversations, so we really have conversations to go on. One of the conversations I really loved was when he was talking to the the, the young daughter of the kidnapped woman, Abby. Abby. I thought that was a really great conversation for both Gyllenhaal, for both Gyllenhaal's character and um, and the narrative to move forward as Joe. For, for, for both Joe and the narrative to move forward because it's – of course, it makes the stakes heavier for him because he has a daughter. And of course, he does not want to see a broken home for this kid either. He, you know, he's Absolutely trying to, not. That's he's, trying right. to, he's trying to stop this from happening to him, to his own daughter. So, and that's kind of what I love about this is it's very careful in the words said back on the other end of the phone because it's we never get that view where we only see the turmoil of the of the person taking the call because most you know traditional films cut back and forth and. The person talking is the person – we're watching the person listen usually or like a few important words. But like we don't ever get to see the, the other way around. You know what I mean? So it's, yep. a, it's an interesting 
it's an interesting take. And we do actually cut away a few times. Why do you suppose they did that? Um, to break the momentum, maybe? Make it build back up? See, I think they did it because they wanted to... That's what he was picturing happening in his head. Because he's like, well, it's it's a white van, so stop it. Get in front of it. Get the driver out of the car and get her out. Like, he's he's pre, he's being like, come on, guy. And like, cops have a certain protocol they have to follow when getting out of their car. They have certain, you know, safety steps they have to take. They have, you know, they have to draw the weapon. They have to make sure that so and so. I mean, they have to make sure that they're not going to get shot. But he's like, no, right. go, go, go. And you know, so I th- I found that to be cool too. Is you know, his character is obviously very hot headed. He's you know impulsive, which is well. How about when he's talking to his partner? He makes the oh, call to his partner yeah. to go investigate the uh, the guy's house, and yeah. he's like, "I want you to go there. And I want you to kick the fucking door in." He's like, "I'll go over there." He goes, "But I'm not going to kick his door in." He's like, "No, you go there and you kick the fucking door in." <laughs> well, and yeah, the guy's like, "Wait a minute, believe got- me, I know what I'm doing." The guy's like, "Wait a minute, you got this information off of a 911 call? Nothing substantial." Yeah, he's like, "Wait, did he tell you this?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> so it's and, and 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 you know there are people out there who are 911 operators for a living and like, yes, finally, my movie is here. <laughs> Telling yeah, my yeah. story. This is my moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, all right. So give me, I've, I've been talking a lot. I want to let you guys talk for a minute about what you maybe enjoyed about this or what you thought was kind of unnecessary. Well, or, so a, a, a piece on just the, like the few cuts we get that aren't him in, in the 911 op, the communications office. I think it's just to just to remind you know the audience that you know they're like this is all happening in real time like to kind of remind you about the outside world for a second just to let you see it for a moment because you do spend a lot of time in this you know in in this office with him so that's kind of like the just that little bit that pulls the audience back into the world for a second instead of just the room because you spend a lot of time in these rooms with him instead of like you know the outside world. I think that might be a, a piece of that, but to play off of, you know, what you just said, the, um, I don't know, the movie has, you know, like four real key characters and each of them get, get like a really big call with him. Right. And yep. I think those are really well done by everybody in this. And it's amazing when you're forced to only use, cause there's nothing visual happening, right? Not like a lot, just like Not really. him pounding into the keyboard sometimes Yeah, or, or him or him, you know, sweating or things like that. Mm-hmm. He does sweat he, a lot. He, he is very sweaty in this, which is weird. Cause he's not doing much, but. Oh, he's when, dying. I have no doubt. <laughs> when, when the, um, when the Avenue of, of, of visuals taken away from you and you have to imagine everything and you, and use your hearing to, pull in everything and like to picture it yourself emotion and get invested emotionally when it's done well it's it's powerful because i was invested like i've had more i had more like i don't know like edge of my seat moments in this movie than i have in a lot of movies i've seen recently and you know i think that's saying a lot for like what they did with what they what they had to work with and joe and hall nailing it and all the other people that are on the calls doing a good job you know yeah. how risky you know how risky a movie like this is though too because like if you don't if you just somehow can't find the editing pace or you realize later that the script doesn't work and you're just like, well, we don't have a movie now. Yeah. So. But I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. That's what the simplicity of this movie that makes it work. is kind of what is a, such a great thing for me on it is because really the short story is this dude is an overstressed 911 operator, right? That's it. And yeah. 
He's yeah. doing his best to try to help. And I did appreciate that, you know, he really is a detective that has been, you know, put on desk duty pretty much. Um, so he uses some of his detective skills to actually open up a door to help find more things, you know, like get a license plate number and, you know, get a phone number to call somebody else and things like that. I, I appreciate that because he never leaves a desk and he does a bunch of police work that makes it all like pay off. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, you know, it opens a door for more story. And I, that's the thing is, yes, this movie could have been terrible and it's not at all. And a lot of it is the simplicity of the story and the great job by Gyllenhaal here. So, and then well, the ending, and I won't say anything else about the ending, but I really enjoyed how it played out. You know, like the ending works for this movie very well. So, well, the thing is with the ending, is it fair to say this is also a story of redemption? Yes. Probably. I think, I, I think that it, that's a big theme here is redemption because I mean, I know what you're saying about when you're saying you're happy. You're talking about someone's confession. Yes. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I was very happy about that too. I thought that was beautiful and, I mean, in a way, poetic. It almost. works. It works for the movie. I mean, it works for the character. It's And something else about this movie that I also loved was it is 90 minutes. Like, start to finish, yeah. 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard, hard but he, 90 so minutes. He, the, okay, can I, can I make one statement about this? Um, and I don't want to like say it took away from anything. So this movie is a hard 90, right? And the pacing's really good and it works really well. Like, this is his entire shift as a 911 operator. So it actually takes place of over basically eight and a half hours. And you don't know it. You wouldn't know it, but he keeps checking his phone. And the time is jumping 35, 45 minutes at a time. Did you guys time. notice that? I didn't, yeah. but I can see how they would have done I, well, I didn't, but I, I didn't notice it really until the last part. When the guy, you know, when his shift gets over at like two o'clock, like to begin the third act, he's like, hey, do you want to get that beer? And he looks at his phone. He's like, oh, yeah, you should have got off 10 minutes ago. He's like, oh, you know what? I'm wrapping up here. And he looks at his phone and it's like 2.15 in the morning. Yeah. Right. And he's like, you know what? Let me. He's like, I got to finish up one more thing. He's like, you know, I'll take a rain check on it. And then his phone rings again. And so he just drives right back into it. Mm-hmm. And then he checks his phone again later. And it's like, now it's like 4.15. And then it's 5.30. And then it's 6.10. And it's just jumping ahead exponentially. I don't know why they did that, where this movie could have just been paced in 90 minutes real time. True. Right? Yeah. I think, I think it, that I think would have been very, I think that would have been more of a, a more effective, especially with thrilling suspense to pace it in 90 minutes. Well, one movie that I'll bring up because you have to here is the movie phone book, a phone booth. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, where it is, you know, um, calling just at the phone booth the whole time. Never really moving, talking through the phone. It's a lot bigger cast, a lot more outside stuff in that one. But it'll draw some similarities where, you know, he's just going by what the phone says. And it's just piece by piece by piece. That movie takes place over a lot shorter amount of physical time. And that's what I thought this movie did it differently. I don't know why they did it that way. It doesn't really make a difference to the actual movie. I just thought that was interesting. Well, no, I think it, I mean, I think it works better for a movie like Phone Booth. That's one of my favorite. I've, I've watched that movie so many times. I'm surprised you didn't actually say anything about that. Well, I was going to, but I thought, eh, it's, I, I think it works better for Buried if you go with that. But Phone Booth, because it, it, it is like, it is it is the guilty with the full Hollywood remake. Sure. I mean, with, the, with the full Hollywood touch of big budget, you know. But I mean, you're not wrong about that. And I thought about that. What if it took place all in 90 minutes, like start to finish? Like when we were when 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 we were watching the the fire in Los Angeles, and we were you know 
kind of like seeing the city kind of spin out of control. We were listening to him pick up calls and just, yeah, it takes place know. over like eight hours instead yeah. of 90 minutes. And it's just, that was just something I thought was strange, not strange, different. You know, Sorry. one thing I did, one of the, one of the few scenes I was literally on the edge of my seat when I was watching this was when he sends two cops over to do a wellness check on where he knows the kids are just to make sure they're safe. Yep. And, and then one of the, he's, he's like listening to one of the officers, like go through the house, like, because the, the female officer stays with the, with, with Abby. With a little the, girl. Yep. With a little girl. And, and male officer is going through the house. Like, I don't know why I was expecting it, but like, I was like waiting for him to be attacked or yep. something. It, the movie does such a good job into like yeah. pulling you into it and making you think. And then all the guy's like, Oh, Oh shit. And like, he see, and like, he obviously puts his phone in his pocket because like seeing a baby with losing that much blood, like you're, you're, you, you've got to put your attention elsewhere. But like Jake is here. What's his Joe is hearing that. And yep. he's like, what's, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And they're not talking to him. And then the line and then just cuts dis- out, disconnects yep. like, Oh man, that is a, that is such a good building of tension. And then he doesn't find out for the rest until the movie ends, what actually happened in that scene. And like, that's so good. I loved mm-hmm. it. That was one of my favorite parts of that entire movie. I was literally on the edge of my seat, like waiting to hear the next word dialogue. Yeah, they do a really good job of building tension without you seeing the scene. Mm-hmm. You have to build it in your own mind. Yep. That's a and, really I mean, idea. listen, that's a bold choice. It really mm-hmm. truly is. It's, it very much is, which is what I have such high things to say about this movie is it takes a simple concept and does great things with it. I mean, this movie's not a 10 or anything, but. No, it's good though. It's it's yeah. it's very watchable, yeah. and you know, to, to Netflix is this is a, I think this is one of Netflix's better movies. Can I uh, uh, can I ask you guys? Um, cause, is there anything in this movie you guys didn't like? How sweaty Joe Hall was. <laughs> That's was where a, you're wrong. That's the best part. He was a, he was a <laughs> very sweaty man. Son of a bitch. <laughs> no, I oh, can't. He's, really... Dude, he's so good. I could. I can't imagine what is what is Hall bad in. Honestly. Like he's not in some really good movies. There's well, not much he's bad in. Yeah, there's. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is one of the one of the better male leads. In like you movie. guys ever watch Nightcrawler? That, that movie, movie is incredible. That movie owns man. That, that's that the one great. movie. That's I my word. Like, Don't I haven't, use it. I haven't. I haven't seen that one yet. You should check it out. Yeah, I've been told. I, I mean, Jarhead. It. Jarhead rules. Jarhead's good. <laughs> yeah, Jarhead is amazing. Yeah, oh, man. And I, 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 I can't. I, I, I can't like I don't want to spoil it, but keep if if you if we have thankfully convinced you to watch this movie, you know, keep the title in mind when you're watching it, and it, I think it makes the movie a little better for you when you finally realize when the when the script gets flipped and like he realizes that he made some impulsive decisions that were not right. It's just I, I think that makes it all the better, and that's so I I just I love this movie. I, I was very excited to. To, to this, this movie wasn't boring. It, it very much yeah. could have been run of the mill boring movie. No, it, it was fun to be on this ride. Yeah, I agree. I'm here for it. Um, I'm, I'm going over. I'm just looking over his his filmography real quick, and I don't see anything that I think he's been bad in. There, oh man, I liked him as the bad guy in Spider Man. I thought he was good as Mysterio. Yeah, I liked him. Source Code, I think, is the one that people haven't seen. So I like Source Code. Source Code's a messed up movie, though. You know, like when you find I out what's it. actually happening in Source Code, you're like, "Shit, really?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, a movie that just it gets me emotionally wrecked every time is End of Watch. Well, yeah, that's a great movie, though. Yeah, yeah that's a good I mean, one, though. 
how that movie ends is oh my furious has no that's understating it yeah. um of course zodiac is great jarhead is great even but like i mean brokeback mountain it was it was it won several awards and nominated I mean, for several I, I was waiting for you to be like eh, it's all right i mean it's only won like six oscars no, it's, 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 it's a good movie but people tend to write it off for you know for, for people for don't reasons. like it because of its subject matter yeah, brokeback mountain is an excellent movie <laughs> you know what it maybe is. maybe bubble boy <laughs> All right, that movie is dog shit. So, <laughs> yeah, but he's good in it. Is he? I don't think. I th- I think. He's, <laughs> I think he's, he's young. He's better than the rest of the movie. I think he's young Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie, which yeah. fine, but that's in two thousand and one. That's before Jarhead. That was right? the one yeah. where he was way uh, before. Was... Donnie Darko is his famous one from back then. Yeah, Donnie Darko. Oh, oh my god! Another... You know what we forgot it was October Sky is such a good movie too. That's a good one. It's... Oh, well, who, who's in that movie with him? October. Toby. Sto- Toby McGuire. Oh yeah. No, no. So, what's the movie he was in that had um, uh, Jennifer Aniston, I think, in it. Oh, and... the the good the good girl. Yeah, I was just, yes. I was just looking at that, and I have to be the good girl. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he's good in that. Yeah. What about that. what about Roland Emmerich's uh, masterpiece of Day After Tomorrow? <laughs> Look, you say what you want about the movie. That movie is entertaining. <laughs> I, listen, I watch it because it's on TV all the time. I didn't hate that movie. I thought it had some really good things going. Well, for the, it. the wolves are pretty bad, but everyone says the wolves, so I, I, I tend to stay away from the wolves. Oh, yeah, because it's bad. Um, yeah, the, he has a pretty solid filmography. Yeah, uh, Prisoners is good. Enemy, great. Oh, uh, Prisoners, be man. Yeah, I liked Everest too. I don't know if you remember that one, but I, that was in 2015. I, I really like that score a lot. A lot. I, I like really watched that one. Oh, Life, that the alien ripoff was was kind of an interesting movie. So you know what bothered me about that movie when the alien like grabs that guy's hand and breaks all his fingers and shit, creep yeah, me out. Yeah, and like it. Nope, get a little and fire. And when it goes through their body and comes out their nose, like no, I'm yeah, done. Not cool. One, not cool. No. Hold on, hold on. So who one, else is that? Ryan Reynolds is in that. Yeah, there's there's, else, there's, right? a, there's a ton of people. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. He has twelve movies that are that on on pre production and announced. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a big time actor. Holy hell, man! That is good for good for Jake Gyllenhaal. All right, Jake Gyllenhaal. All right. Yeah, okay, let's, bad boy? yeah, let's move to score it. Um, I'll go first. I don't care. All right, it's fine. So uh, this movie's not a ten, um, but it's not a one either. It's a pretty good movie. Um, it's suspenseful. I understand there will be a lot of people that don't like it just because it's just basically him doing his thing. But man, I'll tell you, it works. This movie's like a seven for me. Um, I will absolutely catch this again sometime. Um, we get a little, when I get a little farther away from just watching, it's not want to be like, I need to do a repeat viewing right now, but I'll absolutely recommend it to everybody. It's a pretty good movie. And it's, listen, if you're a Gyllenhaal fan and you like a little bit of a thriller, I think this works. Yeah. 100. I was going to say seven too. I thought I was going to be way higher than you guys, but no, I, there's so much about this movie that works and just, it works, it works, it works. If you have Netflix, you haven't seen it. Check it out. Seven. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, this is this is a. I'm on the same line as you guys. This is a seven. Fun. It's a good movie. It's not a fun movie, but I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal does a great job, and it keeps you it keeps you locked in, which is impressive for you know what they had what they were working with here. Yeah, yeah, very impressive. So that's that's great. I'm glad, so glad you guys like that movie. I was worried that I was going to be the highest with seven. And not, not that I'm worried is the bad is the wrong. I just I, I was sure I was going to be the highest, and by several numbers. That's all right. Let's talk about Last Night in Soho, shall we, gentlemen? Let's talk about the tomato meter. And this is another weird one, 75. You guys want to take a guess what the audience score is? 75. I haven't even looked yet. 90. 
Whoa. What? 9-0. 90%. What? <laughs> Which what? I will say that surprises me because oh, good, I guess. Good for them. Good. It surprises me because to me, the movie just it falls apart in this at the end of the second and third act. It just completely falls apart. But again, that's that's I want to be very clear. It's my opinion. It's not. I know it's not widely shared, but uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Last Night's Hope. Let's get some particulars out of the way. Um, this is a Edgar Wright. Um, and going into this, Edgar Wright is one of the. He's a great young filmmaker, like a great one. So I mean, I, I always expect nothing but great things from from him. Give me Baby Driver too, you coward! You coward! <laughs> Give it to me, you coward! <laughs> Thomason McKenzie as Eloise, Anna, oh, sorry, Anya Taylor Joy as Sandy, Matt Smith as Jack, Terrence. Called Doctor Who out here. <laughs> which I gotta say, now I'm looking at these on, on, on another site. The um, I'm looking at these names on there, and I've seen this done a few other times. It has Terrence Stamp's name, but doesn't give the character name, which is great because that saves a little bit of mystery for you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I like that a lot. And then Diana Rigg is Miss Collins. But so last night in Soho, this movie starts off unbelievably strong, I think. And, and I love how we open up on Eloise kind of dancing her way into the frame. And we know, we learn several things about her in those first few minutes. She definitely makes her own clothes. <laughs> she definitely makes her own clothes. <laughs> She's wearing a magazine. She's wearing a newspaper magazine, you know, mache dress. Um, she is, she, her grandmother is there and they talk about her mother being gone. So we know that she's lost her, her mother. Uh, her grandmother's worried about her going to the big city. This is all in the first few minutes. So I always think it's great to, to get this kind of stuff out of the way so early. I mean, we learned so much about her. And, um, Elo- and I will say, like, Thomas and Mackenzie's Eloise is fantastic. Yeah, she's really good. To be oh, that yeah, no, good, think, so I young. She does, I think she's she's one of the two shining things in this movie. Yeah, she's fantastic in this. Both the women are just just unreal good in this movie. So good. And then she is headed to London to go to go to a fashion college. And let me ask you guys a question: How long into the movie was it before you realized it was set in twenty twenty one? It took a little bit, right? Because I was kind of like, I was, I was teetering on wondering, like, you know, like, okay, where are we at time frame wise? And like, I'm watching, I'm looking for cues, and like, it took a little bit because it really did. It... Talk about, you know, until she meets up with her college roommates, there's nothing that really clues you in on, like, you know, where you're at, and until uh, her roommate mentions that she used to vape. Vape. Well, th- that was it. Vaping is the first one, but I didn't realize that before that she's she's on the train with Beats headphones too. Yep. So that's the thing. But I mean, I think that's an intentional choice because it wants you to think because the theme of the movie, of course, is traveling back from today to the 60s to like figure something out. So I think that was an intentional choice was in the first few minutes, leave everything out that would date this movie today. Like the grand didn't say anything about call me on your cell phone, didn't say anything about it, which anyone would. So that was intentionally like written that way. So I thought that was an interesting choice. I'm glad I wasn't the one to picked up on it. I picked up on it probably because I'm stupid, but yeah, I I kind of enjoyed that going going into it. Rod, you haven't said much. What do you what, what do you think about the beginning of this one? Well, I mean, it's it just lays the groundwork for this movie, and I'm okay with that. Like they do a pretty good job of uh, laying out exactly where we stand um, with everything. And of course, you learn early that she sees her mother 
where her mother is dead. So she sees her mother in mirrors and just kind of everyday situations. And that's a worry for the grand because when the mother went to the big city, went to London, she committed suicide. It was all too much for her. She got overwhelmed. And of course, what parenting, what parent authority figure wouldn't be worried about that happening again? You know, so that I mean the grand is just being protective of her granddaughter, of course, but also wants to like let her get out and experience life. Yeah, I mean, she's worried about her because she's already lost her actual daughter. You know, she wants to be able to wants to be able to keep her family intact. I understand that. And then she comes to see one thing I did want to bring up was is that first kind of cab driver is very much in tune with the rest of the movie where he talks about, you know, when he's kind of having a banter back and forth when she, when he's driving her from the train station to mm-hmm. her dorm, he's kind of having a banter that quickly goes from like friendly, welcome to the city banter to like creepy old man, super I'm, creepy old man. I'm looking at your, at your bare legs, old man. And it's just yep. gets super creepy. And that's kind of one of the themes of this movie too, is, is, is how, you know, how women are treated, how men treated women. And yep one overall thing I'm going to come to later, I, I do have an observation about this. It, it's kind of, it kind of came on as a red flag later, but I'll, we'll, we'll get to it as we go on. And then she meets her, her roommate, which her roommate and her friends are, let's, let's be honest. They're a bunch of C words. All right. They're a bunch of bitches. <laughs> Catty bitches. They're, they're like, an interesting group of people. <laughs> they are. They are in all essence, the mean girls from the, mean I mean, they, the listen, school. they went hard the first day of school though, man. You mean that? You mean that party? Yeah, yeah, they did, they did. Um, and then we also meet the potential love interest, which is just a super nice dude that doesn't want anything but just a friendship and maybe something more. It's not like he's just being a nice guy. Just being Side a nice bar. guy trying to help her out. Sidebar. All right. Halloween party. He looked creepy as hell, right? Yes, he did. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, but I mean that's of course intentional. Yeah. There's there's a lot of red herrings in the, in in this movie which I love. I usually hate that, but this it's kind of it's kind of the thing of theme of this movie is, you know, seeing things that you might not believe or what's real, and you got to figure out who actually was the. I really enjoyed it. Now, there's a point in this movie where, because someone is in this movie, it completely destroyed. I I knew what was happening from the from the moment this person was was in the frame. I was able to guess everything that happened afterwards because he was in the movie. You guys, do you guys know who I'm, who I'm talking about? Nope. Yeah. Well, we, we may get to that. It, it's a little more of a character development with um, with the the sixties girl rather than rather than our uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, Anna Taylor Joy's character. Yeah, I get you. Um, so we have some others. I'm trying to find the, the boy's name. The he's not even he's not even billed very high. Interesting. So after we get to the college, you know, things kind of start there and she moves out, finds a, finds a one, finds a room in a home that really suits her well. And, um, she meets the old lady, the old lady says, welcome, you know, no male visitor after eight. She, 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 she puts pretty steep rules, but, um, it, it's, it's her own spot. She can sprawl out and do what she wants. And that's what she wanted in the first place. So in there, the movie kind of starts, um, Rod Ryan take over for a minute. So, I mean, the crux of this movie is basically centering around her beginning school. And when she moves into this apartment, when she moves out of her actual dorm, um, after making the joke, who would just move out of some place in the middle of the night? 
immediately moves out of her room in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, when she starts, when she goes to sleep in her new place for the first time, she immediately is transported to 1965. Um, downtown London, um, following Anna Taylor Joy, her character is her, Sandy. And like the first couple of times, she has an incredible ride through her entire night, you know, changes her outlook on, you know, how she's living her actual life. She dyes her hair. She's having fun and all this. And and then it gets perpetually worse. (laughs) Well, yeah. So it starts out with that one great like experience she has. And then it just goes downhill from there. But that's also indicative of Sandy's story. I think that's why. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I assume, I assume that it's following Sandy's actual path of Mm -hmm. further into darkness, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Each step is progressively worse. It's not all terrible, but it gets pretty bad. And then it gets super bad. Mm -hmm. Super bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like super, super bad. This is, this is where Edgar, where Edgar Wright kind of shines. As a filmmaker, though, is when the decisions he makes, especially with like the music choices and always having like a musical score in the background or like a, a piece of music playing, it really kind of, I think, helps, especially in the 60s, is kind of date the, date the period, but also the weird kind of all like the, the mirror reflections. You know, you know I, I feel like that would have been really tough to do. I think it those, would have been. A lot of those shots were like, were long, continuous. For instance, when 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 Sandy's walking down the stairs and in the, and in the mirror which are the full way down the stairs it's 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 our girl who's yeah. on the other side of the mirror and 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 they're they're doing the ref, like the movements are almost perfect so that's really cool but that that would have been that wouldn't have been the easiest thing to do and there's I did dance- appreciate where sometimes she was Sandy and sometimes she's watching Sandy I thought that was kind of interesting how they did that I it, it was interesting but I kind of wish they would have stuck with one or the other because okay. because I think the consistency there would have would have made a little more sense, and then also I think that would have they could have made some very uniquely difficult situations for her instead of throwing both at her, which it's fine. It, the game still works. Uh, the 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 movie still <laughs> yeah. works, but I think that if they would have stuck with one of those, either she's stuck as Sandy or she's always stuck watching Sandy. Okay. I think it would have been a little more a little more powerful. Well, you I see, I think word. that's a choice though, because I mean, for the first few visits, she's completely a bystander that no one communicates, that no one interacts with at all. She's just watching things happen, which is of course for our benefit. We're watching the story before it gets bad, we're seeing what led up to the bad. And then there's a there's a couple of scenes where like the, the camera does this weird move where Sandy by Anya Taylor Joy is doing something, and the camera will like spin around the room, and then it's Eloise in this. That's the girl, but when we see reflections, it's Sandy again. And then, but I, I think that's meant to be like she's she's becoming part of the narrative as we go because by the end of this movie, she's almost completely affected by everything that happens, and she's no longer a bystander. She is one hundred percent of like interacting with people in the period. Yes, and I thought that was a cool choice too. Um, although Chris, I don't think it was a, I don't think it's an either or situation. I think it's thematically with the movie that with the narrative that plays out, it requires some of those scenes require one or the other. Well, true, but I mean, yeah, it would force them to make some of those scenes change in some way to make it fit if they wanted to be more thematic with it. But 
that being said, I did really enjoy the uh, the dancing scene. Yeah, that's it. That was that must have been that very was, hard to choreograph. That was really well choreographed. I, I thought. I thought. It, I mean, it was. I'm not. I'm not a dancing guy. I'm definitely not a like a '60s guy. But that looked cool as hell. Like that. Like that looked fun. It's I Pulp agree. Fiction, baby. It's straight up the Pulp Fiction dance. I mean, so again, it is. This movie is also very colorful, which is what I love too. Which is kind of a it's an interesting design aesthetic from the get go. Is especially when she's sleeping at night. You know, the sign that blinks all those colors that was in all those sixties those those night the speakeasy nightclub things. Yep. Which is really cool too. I I really enjoyed that. I don't Wouldn't that drive you insane? Oh I there's I would never live in that room. <laughs> it just wouldn't <laughs> happen. No way. Um blackout curtains the only way to do it, right? Yeah you you'd ha- you'd never get any sleep. You'd never get any sleep. Which I guess one of my problems I guess one of my things is so I kept waiting Literally through the entire movie, where does the mom fit into this? I kept waiting for that. And I know we talked a little bit about the show, but I kept waiting for like, okay, okay, why does why did they bring that up? Why couldn't the mom just have been died in a crash and Nan is worried because the daughter's having maybe she's not right mentally and she could have been some some hallucinations or seeing things or claiming to see things. Why did they have to bring up the fact that the mother committed suicide because of she was overwhelmed by what she was seeing? Well, they talk about it a few, a few people say it that, you know, that London was a, you know, terrible place, a dark place in the 60s, you know, that kind of Well, they thing. definitely they definitely bring it up several times. Yeah, yeah so more than more than a few. I'm thinking that maybe it's, you know, you're supposed to assume that the mother was assailed by by maybe not the same exact situation that Ellie, that Eloise goes through, Ellie goes through, but maybe she had a similar experience where she really had something got a hold of her and she couldn't get away from it. And that's kind of the struggle and the fear that Ellie has. She starts to see that breakdown in act two where she's, where she really wants to get out of there because of what happened to her, not only what's happened to her now, but because of what she knows that you know, happened to her mother. Yeah, of course. That's the whole thing is she's got to be very cognizant of what's, what's going on there. I mean, when things start to get a little more dicey. So at this point, it's nothing more than like a, it's like a mystery whodunit movie until we get a little more involved. There's, there's not, there's only that one angle to play off of is okay. Well, we're seeing, we're kind of seeing this girl get railroaded into the same thing that a lot of young women that the movie goes to tell you in that time were promised the world and became something completely else that was never intended but was just used by men. And that's kind of one of the themes here is the using by men. And it is a major theme, especially when the movie plays itself out, which I hate, by the way, how the movie plays itself out. I didn't, I just was hoping it wasn't going to go that route. And it did because certain characters come up and you, and you're wondering who is this old lady renting the room? And then like, who is this old man that won't leave her alone? The Terrence stamp character. You're like, who are these people? Who were they in the sixties? I need to know. But like, the movie goes out of its way and takes a long time to make you think one thing when it may not necessarily be that, or, or sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And when we see Anya pretty much Sandy, sorry, when we see Sandy, who's pretty much become a whore, right? That's what we're calling her. Sex worker. Sure. A sex worker. Fine. She's, she's meeting all these men who are just awful men with like crooked teeth and terrible, terrible smiles and just awful men. 
they're, they're they all pour the same drink and they, well, that's a lovely name. They all ask the same questions. Same questions. It's all cookie cutter, and you know she has to do these things with all these men that she doesn't want to do, but she's now kind of in that life, and she can't get out of that life because her pimp Jack won't let her get out of that life and is very violent. Um, it's it's it's, it's in that scene where we keep going back and forth between the guys and Sandy and like five or six guys, and then and then we get one that sits down. And um, we get one that sits down and it's kind of a longer conversation, which I, I, I really enjoyed. But it's it, – I'm pretty sure it's Sam Claflin. Maybe I'm wrong about that. It's not. I haven't even looked it up yet, but I assumed it was. Maybe it's not. No, it is not. Interesting. But anyway, when he sits down, because of the emphasis on this guy, I immediately know where the movie's going. And for me, that was like, wow, why did it – why did it do that? Why would you do that? Because to me, like there was no more mystery after this one guy talks. I, I, I knew exactly who everyone was because I knew who one person couldn't have been. And then that meant everyone else had to be the offshoots of who I was thinking about. Does, does, does sure. that make sense? I mean, they, they purposely don't give you all the information to make the right assumptions in this movie. So that was that. That, was, that wasn't the same lab. Interesting. So that's my bad. I just assumed it was, but he, he looked so like him. Um, yeah, but that's, so to me, that was, that kind of undid the whole movie. So yeah, that's just the thing that I, maybe that's just me that I just got lucky guessing, but did you, by the time the movie played itself out, did you have it figured out, Roger, or did you not? Um, I had an idea of what was happening. Um, I, I had made some educated guesses. Uh, I wasn't entirely correct, but I wasn't super far off. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, Chris, how about you? Uh, similar, uh, and I think maybe a little bit further on than what the movie wants you to get to, but I kind of pieced the quote-unquote twist of the movie together pretty quickly, but not not the full twist, if that makes any sense to you guys. Like, I knew who people were, but I didn't expect what, you know, what transpired at that point until, like, a little bit further on in the movie. Well, there, there, there's some key phrases that one character says. <laughs> you definitely know who, I mean, if you'd been paying more attention and not first viewing it, because first viewing is different. It's, you're looking at all the pieces in play. You're, you're not, you're not, I mean, you're watching the movie. You're not like playing detective yourself. You're watching the movie. One character says things that like obviously make her who she is. And that kind of bothered, bothered me a little bit because like I picked up on those things because like a, a lot of movies do it. And it, it kind of took away the mystery for me. I wish. I wish this had been. I wish this movie had gone the other way. Um, yeah, I really wish it had, and and I don't mean that because I, I I don't like for like I mean I don't mean to say like I want women to be victims, but I just I had I wanted I had such a good time seeing the '60s through Thomas and Mackenzie's eyes, and I wanted to know like okay. I'm in this detective story. I want to know what happened to this girl. I have to yeah. know what happened. I was in it. And then yeah. when the movie went a different way, I, I guess disappointed is more the word, I guess. Disappointed is absolutely the word. I, th- I mean, yeah, because like, I rolled my eyes. But I think this movie is a stronger movie if, if the movie stays on the course that it begins on and has you know, some surprises about like who's at fault or you know like like the underlying like how things got to where they do or something like that you know what i mean not the way this not the way this thing turns but over overall the movie's strong for the first you know two-thirds of it and it, and it yeah. is a fu- fun movie like a quote-unquote fun movie with like 
visuals and sound and all that. It's it's very well done in that regard. So it's kind of depressing to see which way it goes. One thing I don't like is one thing I thought was too much and and was was um Eloise, you know, running and yelling from these things every few minutes it happened. I thought, didn't you guys kind of get sick of that? Like in a weird She freaked out a lot. It just to me it was yeah. it was it was it was it was enough. It was done. Like we know that when she sees those figures, she's uneasy. The drama, the drama was there, right? <laughs> like, like it was. Dramatic. Yeah, I don't know why they. I don't know why someone like Edgar Wright would make that choice. It's, it's obviously it's too much. Well, so, I want to yeah. I want to bring up something that I brought up to you guys, and I'll make it short because we're you know we're getting ready to wrap here. Um, but the one thing that I I brought up when we were discussing this movie beforehand, and they don't really allude to it, so I'm probably not right at all, but. Like, there's definitely something going on in Eloise's head. Like, like possibly, like, a mental illness, like schizophrenia or something, because she is seeing people and seeing things. Um, and it gets to the point where after she's waking up from being Sandy, she's seeing all these bits and pieces that are terrifying her during the daylight. Yeah. Um, and they don't really explain why. And... That kind of doesn't bother me, but it's just something that I looked at going, you could have put a little bit more on this, you know, or why I mean, she's linked to this the way that she is. I guess so. you're supposed to assume it's the spooky ghost. Yeah, I don't. You know, like, that's what it comes yeah. down to. Right? So, so, so let me ask you this. Is this a ghost story then? Can you consider yes. that? Yeah, yeah. This, I yeah, think this so. Is a ghost, this is a ghost story all the way through, at least. That's the one thing it's consistent with. Let me ask another question. If she had never gone to that room... Um, would she, uh, Eloise, would she ever have started having these visions? I don't think so. No, probably not. Which makes it, which makes the room the catalyst. Yeah, right? makes which it makes haunted. It. Yep. So yeah. why throw in the piece with the mother? That's 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 one of my biggest questions about this movie. It yeah. never really made sense, right? It didn't. I mean, I, I am, am I wrong? I am I not seeing guys, it? I disagree with you guys on the mother thing not making sense. It wasn't. A, it doesn't need to be a big piece, though. It's just establishing what. In my opinion, it's just establishing what Eloise is capable of and like what what is happening to her, as not like her losing her mind. Well, she does lose her mind, but it's just it, it's a family gift that is passed down from her mother, and her mother had a hard time with it. You know what I mean? I think that's all it's there for as a baseline. But they don't and, really expound on that either. But they don't. They, why? Why put it in if you never explain that's it? That's fair. That's fair. But I think you know it has a purpose. It's just not a very clear one, but it makes sense to me. You know, if you see the mother early, it's telling you that she sees dead people, bro. Like, I, I get you. I, I know. I know what you mean. They just don't yeah. do a good job either way of explaining. It. Uh, now, now that now that I'm now that I'm listening to this conversation, like you might be right, Roger. Like maybe they just maybe it wasn't an obvious nod, but I mean, well, I mean, Chris could. Be, uh, Chris's point is valid too. They just don't. They give you this info and then don't develop it. Yeah. <laughs> The, what, it doesn't matter what it actually is. It's just an untapped part of a story. Yeah. So. So like I said they, they didn't I, do know. a great job with it. It's just I just I think it's just establishing you know what she's capable of. So you don't like so you have to suspend your disbelief in a certain direction and not figure out what's happening. Like ma- like maybe they didn't want the audience thinking like getting stuck on is she going crazy or is she seeing ghosts? Is she oh is she of her right mind or is is this place haunted like yeah i don't think they wanted the, the audience to like to wrestle with that part of it and they want you to be immersed in eloise and sandy and sandy's like ride together and like what the ghost story is i think that's all that that was for okay again it's a weird but like if you know that going into it why I mean, it's a weird choice for for something is supposed to be as tight as a film script 
I 100% agree with you on you know? that. It's like I said, I don't think it's a good, I don't think they did a good job with it. I just think that that was its purpose. Interesting. So it is a ghost story then. We're, we're all in agreement that it can be oh, considered yeah. a ghost story. I think yeah. so. That's the only, it's the only 100% clear thing in this movie that's a ghost story. <laughs> I was really into the ghost story part of it. Like I was really into like I wanted I have to know what happened. Like I was so into that. They just want you to feel real bad about these ghosts that are wanting you know. But again, the, you don't not, I mean up until like the very end, you don't know that. You you can't possibly know. know that. And then when you figure it out, I I wasn't like rooting for the ghosts again. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that sucks for you guys. Burn in hell. Like, how about when she? How about when she almost stabs her friend in the eye with a with oh, a yes? <laughs> Listen, that was a cool shot. Too. Well, not even her friend. Her friend of me. Oh, yeah, yeah, her schoolmate. That was a cool yeah. shot though. Like, her yeah, bitch like, roommate. Sure. Yeah. You know this movie also like it. It also suffers from that thing where, you know, like. Usually in a movie, it's one it's one conversation that happens, or it's one phone call that can be made. Or in this movie, if she had just taken that piece of paper, she she drew um she drew when she saw what's um what was her name on his name Sandy Sandy's in that in that pink dress and shown it around to the people that were involved where she was. Everyone would have been like, oh, I remember that one. I definitely <laughs> like. Then everyone wouldn't have thought she was crazy. You know, everyone yeah. would have just been like, Whoa, how do you possibly know that? You know, it's like one of those things where. The right, the right person, Stamps character, uh, Terrence Stamps character sees it, and then that's what sets off that kind of that that piece of the story, to almost yeah. an, an end. But it, there's a lot of like neatly fit puzzle pieces that didn't that like didn't need to fit the way they did. But like, there's a lot of puzzle pieces story. here that didn't. There's a lot of puzzle pieces here that didn't even have to be in the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that, that's a better. <laughs> there point. are extra pieces of this goddamn <laughs> yeah. puzzle. <laughs> it's a, it's like when you finish a puzzle and there's still a piece sitting to the right. It's like what the when hell? When I'm building IKEA furniture, it's like where was this supposed to go? There's, you have you have one you have one screw left. <laughs> like, yeah, this this could. Well, oh, shit! This must not have been that important. Yeah. <laughs> and then you like sit down in it very slowly. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, there's just, there's a lot about this movie to like. Uh, there's there is there's not a lot to that. dislike except just. It gets disjointed at the end. Like, that's it. But, like, that's... But it's when it's the story that you don't like. When it when it's a story that's one of the things that's that's fundamentally wrong in the end, it just takes I, everything else down with it. I was going to say, the things I dislike in this movie are big things, though. Yeah, that's yes. what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, so you guys want to move to score it, or we got anything else we want to run through? Well, we uh, just another minute or two on the... Okay, so we're, we're in agreement that that Thomas Thomas and McKenzie and Alan and Taylor Joy are fantastic. fantastic. Sure, they're fine. Yeah, like, yeah. Great. What about Matt Smith as Jack as the pimp? I mean, he's a creepy dude. I mean, yeah, I he loved him. Creepy too. I loved him. Yeah, yeah no, he did, he did good. He did a good job at being a creepy dude. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was really good at that. Terrence Stamp. What we think of his character? The the silver creepy dude, the silver haired gentleman as he's billed for. <laughs> silver haired, silver haired box. The man <laughs> likes his. The man likes his pints. <laughs> And I guess the thing I was I was I was getting to earlier is you would have thought a movie with this content and a lot of the a, a lot of the themes would have attempted to say something about those and it doesn't at all. Can we Which talk is, about this bar that she works at for a minute? Yeah, like how upstairs is like a raging club and downstairs is just like old dudes hanging out drinking beer. <laughs> What kind well, of place is this? Well, this it's place also, rules. It's weird because this place rules. <laughs> well. It, <laughs> It's kind of I would crazy. love to have a bar like that close to where I live. If you want to go get wild, it's upstairs. You want to just casually sit down, drink, catch a game of football, it's there. 
fair, whatever. Um, yeah, there was that was also. Am I being judged by my drinking standards? Don't start this. Always. <laughs> no, we've already established you do the what was the Ben Affleck thing in that movie, the the way back you. You take a beer out of the yeah, freezer. Yeah, you put your beer in the freezer. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. Um, I also thought that the downstairs bar was kind of part of the ghost story in a way because no one down there that wasn't – I mean everyone down there mattered to the story every time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Especially, especially when, she, when, she, when she comes in an hour late. It's not that you're an hour late. It's get downstairs. You have one customer. <laughs> so um, murderous customer we have so um, am, am i to believe that she's not she's paying this woman to look after one customer for one night is that what we're well, i mean we're there were there was the other times though where there was plenty of other people down there too but yeah, yeah but i mean true. i just i expected and the, and the night's more from still it. young it could pick up i expect this movie to go a different a, a opposite of where it went the story and i just i'm i guess i could say i'm disappointed that it didn't it was just different. It was a different ending. I think so. But overall, I mean, up to, up to a certain point, this movie was a goddamn nine to me. Oh, I was all in for it for two thirds. Yeah, yeah was, and then it yeah, just. I, agree with that. I don't want to say it went down to a, like a five or anything, but mm. certainly not a nine anymore. But just the this honest to goodness, without spoiling the ending, the ending is to me the weakest part of the movie. One hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. So many questions. <laughs> well not only that it's just it doesn't give you any satisfying answers to anything well okay i have a lot of questions about things that aren't related to the actual story that we saw like you know just what all happened i don't know like like did they find all the bodies in the house you know what i mean like it's just i don't know it's strange so if this movie was made 20 years ago would the ending have been what we what we what we saw or would it have been what i was hoping for i don't know which to was a honest, true detective story it, to be honest, it makes more sense for it to not be the ending that it is. I think so. I, I again, that's why I'm baffled. Made nowadays, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. You have the right to be baffled. And in, in the movie, even goes so far to like, there's a couple scenes where it tries to make you think that Sandra is pregnant. Uh, I mean, it, it goes. The movie goes a long way to misdirect you several times. I guess, and that's kind of par for the course. I guess with this one, that's one of the themes Maybe, is misdirection. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So let's. I guess let's move to score this bad boy then. I went first last time. Somebody else has to go. I'll go. I'll go. So okay. this movie was so good and so strong and entertaining and captivating. Sound was great. Acting is really good in this movie by you know like the cast members we get to we get to know. And then it takes a big old turd at the end, and really nose dives for me. This is a six. God, I. I'm so glad you said that because I'll go next. I I want to give this a six and a half. But at one time, up to a certain point, it was a goddamn nine to me. Uh, I, was, just, I, was, I was riding hard nine. Yeah, <laughs> it just the ending destroyed it that much for me. It like, just, just killed this movie. But yeah, I mean, other than, you can see why Edgar Wright, there's a lot of his signature in this movie, and I appreciate it. I love the sound design. I love the, you know, the he did a great job realizing the 60s. Great job mm-hmm. doing that. I, I mean, oh, yeah. wonderful with the colors. Wonderful. I mean, it's a it's a very well written script. It's, it, it's a very competent movie. It just if the story goes down, everything's got to go down with it. Period. Because the story is the only thing that really matters. Yep. Um, so it leads it to me. Uh, this movie was rolling right along. Very good score. Very high score. And the movie just tanks off at the end. Um, I expected it to be a better ending than what we got, but it's it's not that it's bad. It's just different. Um, 
it definitely drops it down. I'm going to go right in line with you guys. This movie's like a six. Um, I it was going to be so much better. <laughs> Yep. So so much better. I like there is movie. there is two thirds of an excellent movie here, yep. and, and then and right off a minority. cliff, baby. Yeah, apparently we're in the minority too on that. But that I don't mind being the minority though. I mean, it, it, well, I mean, listen, we we fit right in with the audience score. An audience score of a ninety does not mean nine out of ten. That means ninety percent of them gave it a positive review. Uh, Each fair, one fair, of us fair, gave fair. it a positive review. That's fair. So does does that just mean? 90% of people gave it a 51 or better. A 5.5 or higher. Okay, fair. 5.5 or higher. Interesting. I always get that mixed yep. up in my head. I always say 90%. Yeah, just remember, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes is not a gauge of how good it is. It's just the amount of the positive reviews that it's got. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I definitely expected what I thought what I thought was a better movie of the week to be flipped uh, with The Guilty and Last Night in Soho, given who made Last Night in Soho, but... I guess it comes along. And I, I, I wonder, let's, not go, let's not go talking crap on Antoine Fuqua. The guy knows what he's doing. No, of yeah. course he does. Of course he does. But he also made King Arthur. So, you know. He also yeah. made Training Day. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> if you're going to punch him below the belt, give him the respect he deserves. That's fair. Sit down, son. Let me hear your story. Give him the respect he deserves. <laughs> yeah. That's, training Day is, a, is one of those movies. That I never understood how that won Best Picture, but I mean. It's a good. I just don't think it's. Best I, don't, I don't know if it was best. It wouldn't have won my best picture, but Training Day is a hell of a movie. It, it is a good oh, one. Yeah. It is certainly a good one. You know, very. It's very difficult material to like digest. Well, we had a good week, gentlemen. I we had good two good movies to talk about. Two very mm-hmm. interesting movies to watch. Uh, it was it was a good week. We don't often get weeks like this, and I'm I'm very happy that we did. Very happy that we did. But anything else you want to say before we start wrapping it up? Nope, I'm good. No, I think I'm good. Uh, I mean, I'll echo that. You know, two good movies this week. Absolutely, just for never a bad, never a bad week. Never a bad week. The lowest score I gave out to six is a hell of a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good point. That doesn't happen very often. All right, this has been episode two hundred and fifty-one of For the Love of Cinema. Each new episode posts every Tuesday morning at five a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five: iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two. Rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the sh- Twitter sh- show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I'm at Grayson Maxwell One. Check out the Twitters <laughs> at Rod Stillian. <laughs> and I'm Christopher Bond. <laughs> All right, check us out on Facebook. Always putting things there. And send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at the Marvels, The Eternals, and Finch with Tom Hanks on Apple TV. No one? No one's going to say a damn thing? Nope.